Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Kutcher. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 19th day of July, 2018. We're here with our co-host, Jay Batser, and uh, our guest speaker today is Mr. Sherman Howard, and uh, he's got a few tales to tell us. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, some of these experiences with the VA, and uh, so, but before we get into that, I have an announcement to make. Uh, on Had It There, a lot of you get IMOs from your local doctors uh, who don't want to really do it, you know, write up an IMO like Dr. Bash or Dr. Martell or some of the others. Uh, they just want something quick and easy. Well, Berta Simmons was kind enough to kind of condense it down and put it in a more simpler form where you could just copy that off and hand it to your doctor. And uh, it might be a couple pages, two or three pages. But kind of give him an idea how he would structure his IMO because a lot of doctors are not familiar with what the VA requires. So keep that in mind and look that up. It's under IMOs. There it had it, and uh, Berta Simmons wrote it up. So uh, I think she put it on there just today, and uh, you'd be glad you had it when you're, you know, if you're talking to your doctor. And I know your doctor will be glad you had it because he'll know more what you what's required. And with that, uh, we'll get on here. How, how are you doing today, Sherman? I'm doing just fine, Mr. Cook. Jay, glad to be able to talk to you again. Well, we're glad you come on. Uh, doggone it. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people like to hear what you have to say, and, and uh, uh, we have a lot of listeners out there, and you'd be surprised how many listen to you. Uh, uh, some of the goings-on that, you know, the BA uh, uh, is full of some of the shenanigans. But uh, you know that one guy last time, is on his town it's about this guy that uh wrapped them firecrackers around him and and set them off and and uh, uh I read where he he passed on he didn't make it yes yeah, sir I read that too and and I read the paper the news local newspaper here Atlanta journal constitution to see exactly what but They've never let out what his real issues were. They, they're they holding that co- close to their vest. Of course, the VA has a good say in that of what goes on. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he passed away, but he was in misery. And um, 
we don't really know for outside a few people what his issues were, but it just, again, it's sad that it happened. And speaking of uh, something that uh, announcement that you made, I just heard on the radio coming coming down here to talk to you on the phone that the uh, the original voice of Vietnam, the guy that uh, did the good morning Vietnam on the armed services radio. Yeah, uh, I just uh, he passed away today, so fellow veterans, many of us uh, that uh, heard his voice quite often. Adrian, and, you talking about the real Adrian Cronauer? Yeah. yeah. He passed away today. That's sad. That's so, on another. I just read that somewhere. It was uh, in my news bulletins, I get, I think. I tell you, man, to, to have a man like I don't use a team. portray you in a movie. Yeah, that's something. That's doing something right there. I mean, you know. Well, uh, Robert Williams. Uh, oh, wasn't him. Uh, Robin Williams? No, he's yeah. Uh, Robin. Adrian Cronauer was the actual. Was the actual. Yeah. Good morning, Vietnam. Yeah, they, yeah. He he did the. Uh, uh, boys, I guess. For Robert yeah, he did the movie based on that that guy yeah. actually, mm-hmm. basically based on the Armed Services Radio and everything. But another another Vietnam veteran goes down, and in that we keep hearing the stories. I keep hearing them. I'm getting kind of. I'm telling you the truth. I'm getting kind of worn out just talking to veterans because I see so many veterans with their hats on, you know, Navy or Air Force or something, and I thank them for their service and engage them in conversation or people that are my age that I see. I'll ask them, did they serve? And you get to talking to them, and, you know, each one of them have a horror story with the VA. If it's not with them, it's one of their friends. You know, I'll say, do you go to the VA here in Atlanta? How how are you getting treated? Oh, no, no, I don't go. My buddy went. He This happened to him, you know. And um, I'm fixing to be 65 and getting my Medicare stuff now. And, um, you know, the VA loves to, uh, if you go to an emergency clinic, the veterans that i talked to have had gone to emergency clinic for various issues. And the VA refuses to pay them or delays paying them. So the hospitals want to get paid, so they charge it to the person's Medicaid or Medicare. And uh, mm-hmm. the next thing you know, the VA says, well, it's already paid. We're not going to pay now. I mean, no, it's amazing what to be. They, huh? they, they have to pay. If you're 100%, they got to pay the 20% copay that uh, that Medicare is supposed to pay. The VA's got sued over that and lost. Do you remember that? Well, it, I've seen a million things that the VA's been sued over or fought with and lost, and they still do no. the same thing. No, they can't in this court. This, this is person sitting case. they got to pay it. Well, okay. I mean, but when people are, when veterans or people are ignorant and they don't know and they're too tired or too sick to fight or their families are, then, you know, whatever. I just know that, you know, I've got a veteran up here. This is crazy, but he has a, a flatbed truck, a one-ton Ford truck. He parked it and was behind mm. it. It rolled down the hill and crushed him between a building. He's in Georgia now, Blue Ridge, Georgia. So they sent a helicopter and life flighted him to the closest trauma center, which was Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, then he, when he got out of the hospital, he was in the hospital. That's This is emergency now. He's trauma and life flighted him. He contacted the Atlanta VA and told them that he was uh, 
that it, you know, that he was injured, went to the emergency room. Well, they said, we're not paying because you went to another area besides ours. You're not in our district, so we're not paying. Tennessee has to pay. And he fought back and forth for a long time. Anyways, Medicaid, they charged it to Medicaid or Medicare. I can't remember which one, but the VA never did actually pay for anything. And uh, he got these letters of uh, they're going to ruin his credit and everything, but, you know, I, I don't understand why a state line or a district line would stop any the VA from paying because it's all one VA, but they seem to think that everybody's different. Well, you know there's a backdrop to this whole story, don't you? Even uh, if you do get sick, you know, if you have an accident like that and you go to the VA or you go to the hospital and you notify the VA within the time frame you're supposed to do it in, they're either supposed to pay the bill or transfer you to the VA. But if you're if it's a serious emergency, it's a life threatening condition, this you like this guy here. Even though the other right. hospital as long as it even though the other hospital can bill him all they want, they cannot do nothing. They can't garnish him or anything. Even if he's protected by law against all creditors anyways, they can't touch your VA check unless you owe a debt to the government. Right. So, well I, you know, I goes, don't think that win, I mean they but, just that, you, you know, they just threatened, you know, sent the threatening letters if you don't pay the hospital bill, this and that, you know, and he's trying to get the VA in Atlanta to take care of it because it's their responsibility. He followed the rules of reporting that he was, you know, there. And, and uh, but, you know, they said, no, it's Tennessee. And then there's only one person in the hospital that operates at the certain department. And then that person goes on vacation and it gets behind. It's just crazy, the stuff that goes on. And I mean, if it was basic, simple stuff like you just mentioned, and 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 the VA just took care of what they're supposed to, you know. Once again, I read things to y'all, and and I because that's where I first got in trouble at the VA. I went to their webpage and read, but their mission is to honor American veterans by providing exceptional health care that improves their health and well-being. That's that's the whole mission of the VA, medical side, anyways. And uh, yeah, it just drives me crazy read, that people read, have to fight. You didn't read the I didn't read what though. there? What, there's no the fine print. print. Yes, there is. Okay, the what is the fine print? I it, it. it is their mission to care for all veterans and to improve their quality of health and quality of life. And the only exception is with services provided by the lowest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, the VA is the lowest bidder, and they they do stupid stuff. I just the, the Secretary of Health of the VA. You got a Secretary of Benefits and the Secretary of Health. Well, they just changed the title to the Secretary of Health. I don't know what it is. I don't have it in my head right now, but it's a different title. So the VA went through the whole process of changing everything in the office, all the name plates, everything, everybody's card, all the letterhead, and all this stuff. It's the same person doing the same job, but they changed it. The Atlanta VA Medical Center is now the fourth largest medical center in the nation. So they changed it from a VA medical center to something else. I forgot what it's called. Uh, uh, a guy just told me because he's on a committee that we formed down there, a Veterans Advisory Council meeting, and they went through the whole thing. Now, we just spent millions of dollars. In fact, the bid is a million, too, to change the internal signs inside the hospital. The outside signs have all been changed. They have to change every letterhead, every card, everything that has VA Atlanta Medical Center on it. Now is the VA Atlanta 
regional something or something like that. And we spend millions of dollars doing that. This doesn't improve one second, one inch, one anything of a health care veteran. There, you know? And what is the priority? You know? Well, uh, I'll tell you what they named it. Uh, I don't think it's public yet. But I was reading that they call it pre-mortuary services. That's where you go uh, b- before you go to the mortuary. Right. You go to the VA. Yeah, oh, pre-mortuary services. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they want to integrate all. They, they want they want to integrate all VA systems. You know, they want to go ahead and put you in the hospital, but they want to also bring the cemetery system into play too, since they run that. <laughs> so, you know, they just slide you over to the next to the next side. You know, especially well, man, what. When I first came to the Atlanta VA Medical Center, I went out and protested. This is seven, eight years ago. And I had a sign that says, VA lives, veterans die. And on the back side of the sign, it said, just keep your promise. Me and my service dog will go out there and pick it. And one of the security guards or police officers mm-hmm. for the VA came out there, that nice fella, and started talking okay. to me. And he was fixing to retire. He was telling me, do you know what this hospital's known as? And I said, no, I really don't know, you know. Uh I I just started going here because the one I was going to before was even worse than this one. And he says it's ca- they call they call the Atlanta VA Medical Center. Walk in the front door, roll out the back. And I said, well, what's that about? He said, well, it's cheaper to roll you out the back and take you right up there to uh, Canton and bury you than it is to actually care for you. <laughs> you know, and that was the opinion of a VA employee. You know, I mean, that's what he told me that that they made fun of themselves. You know, I talk a lot on the healthcare side. The benefit side just is crazy. You know, I talked to veterans that talking to a veteran the other day that's ninety percent, and he's got so many things wrong with him. You know, but that getting that one ten percent, you know, the way that they figure it out somehow is almost impossible. Yeah, he's got to have what service connected. That means he's ten percent whole. So if you go for another ten yeah. percent disability, you file for it. Well, ten percent of ten is one. So, so gotta get you're going to have to have at least another fifteen ten percent to even get a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they're when they're rolling yeah. him out the back, they'll give him the ten percent. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They so we're going. I say we're going to take care of you the rest of your life. They're going to go. Huh? Yeah. I've seen him. My grandpa here. He was World War Two vet. And we got him service connected finally after uh, God. It was he. He was discharged with active tuberculosis, and he was 100 percent until 1958. And they cut it off. He said, "You're cured." Well, there's no cure for tuberculosis, so he fought it back and got 30 percent back, and then that did so much damage to his lungs. By the time he got up into his 80s and 90s, not 90 years old, I was looking at his claim and I said, "This ain't right." So we put him in the right area and got him appealed. And we got him head to line privileges, and he won his claim. Died two days later. He probably so, seen his so widow a notice saying you owe us money back. Oh no, she uh, she got his record check, and then uh, somebody told her I don't know who, remember who it was that told her to go to to make a rush and get that out of that bank, and get it to another bank, to another account. She did it. Next day, they went in and tried to take care of everything. 
You know, I got wow. a question about, um, uh, you know, on the benefit side, when I was filed for my disability, and um, it's a long story how I even got that filed and everything, but um, mm-hmm. I ended up requesting to go to an outside optometrist because the VA mm-hmm. doctors wanted to do laser surgery on my eyes. And I found out they were two, there were three resident doctors. There wasn't even VA doctors and they'd never done laser surgery. And they told me I had to tear it. So anyways, I had to fight like mad. It took me six months to get a uh, healthcare ethics consultation. And finally a year to go to an outside doctor. They, they told me I needed surgery immediately or I might go blind. But a year later, I finally went to an outside doctor. And uh, when I was in that, clinic there was a book that explained that this college had a a law department that helped veterans and I got hooked up with them and they helped me with my claim and I found out that if you file a disability claim by yourself you you as an individual you've got a 25% chance of getting it but if you use a BSO or a attorney or something your chances jump up to 75% Mm mm-hmm and so, and so I, I thought that was crazy. So I, y'all deal a lot more on the benefit side. Could you explain to me how, how how do the the American Legion and the DAV and all them really stand up their services that they provide and everything? Because my my contact and communications with them is not very good. They tend to drop the ball on everything. But well. From the situation, the standpoint you're looking at, the veteran files his claims by himself, and the VA encourages him to, to use one of their big organizations, you know, like the Legion or the DAV or AMVETS or other, you know, similar, parallel PVA. And they, you know, you sign the paper and it sends it over to them and they pick it up. Um, basically, what they do is uh, they're supposed to fight for the veteran helping them do a claim. They'll. They'll do the paperwork and things like that and help the veteran out, you know, and then they'll get the veteran's claim submitted to the VA as long as the veteran makes sure he knows what he's filed for and, you know, what they're doing. Um, some of these VSOs are really good people. Um, you know, they're really intelligent and know what they do. Uh, the problem that lies underneath that causes all the issues and miscommunications and misconceptions and the veterans, the veterans' uh, angst against these organizations is that they are so overwhelmed by veterans because, you know, they all get farmed out to them that, and there's so many people involved, each claim, they don't have the correct time to put into it, and they don't have uh, any, um, I say, that they have no basis to win your claim. They don't, you know, there's nothing in it for them, so they're just, just robotic claims filing. You know, and uh, I, I tell you what, my first claim, man, I got screwed over by one so bad as unbelievable. I mean, they, they, they we filed the claim, and when I got my first CMP, they, I did a CMP. They actually admitted me to the hospital for two days for CMP exams. Went through every test known to mankind. And that guy screwed my claim up so bad, I had no chance. They couldn't find my records or nothing, but finally I won through my myself just by had it and things like that, you know, learning myself what to do. And right. I made a decision right then that I'll never use another veteran service organization to do my claim. If I ever have to go through the appeal process, I will find a certified claims agent or an attorney. I would rather pay them money to win my claim because I have some incentive to fight for my claim 
instead of using something else. And if you go through these agencies, organizations, and you read their bylaws, you look at the last chapter of their bylaws, it tells you where their where their allegiance actually lies in. And that's a true story. Some of them, some of them, uh, actually relies within the VA, not the veteran. So that's the issue that I have with the VSOs. Well, the VA pays for their phones. They give them options, mm-hmm. uh, all yeah. sorts of yeah. things, even even vehicles. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot. Uh, but when it comes to the poor veteran, he mm-hmm. he don't always get the service that he needs or the assistance right. that's required for him to win a claim because it's so easy for them to not mention this or not quote that regulation or, you know, all sorts of things, whether it's, mm-hmm. and they are so overloaded. They're overloaded. They are overloaded. Now. When when yes, you talk to one, he says I got a hundred and fifty veterans, two hundred veterans I'm representing. He's not representing that's no a, one. <laughs> that's a slow one there. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You need to find somebody to fight for your claim with Scott's incentive to do it. You know, it might cost you some money, but if you don't if you don't get any money to lose your claim, then there's no incentive. You know, yeah, so that's, well, uh, that's an issue everybody has to. Well, I'm not a fan of the VSOs, and I'm, I'm I think that they're the ones that got us into the the, the positions we in, are in in healthcare and in in benefits because they're the, they're the, our overseers. They're the ones that are our guardians, and they've failed us miserably. You know, I just saw where one of the organizations had a big convention thing, and that Dr. Carolyn Clancy, she's now Secretary of Health or whatever they call it now. She's changed from being under Secretary of Health for organizational excellence. She's moved up again. She's been acting Secretary of Health before and everything, and they gave her an award for being Executive of the Year. Now, I I, I think that's a complete uh, conflict of interest when you're you're supposed to be dealing with these people and uh, listening to them and everything, and they're awarding you and, and giving you all these things, and I just think it's like a conflict of interest. But one of the things about the when I first started claims, you know, I was talking to a guy at a VSO just not to get my thing done. He said, well, here's the deal. He says, we're just there to fill out your paperwork because a large – and this is a guy that a, was a VSO guy, but he also worked at the VA benefit office, and he says, you know, because veterans – don't know how to fill out their, their paperwork correctly, and um, and so if they don't fill out the paperwork correctly, then they they lose um their their you know they lose their case, and that's what we're just doing is fill the paperwork out correctly. And uh, I thought, well, that's just crazy, you know. A veteran should be able to be able to fill out a government paperwork. That's all we did when we were in service is fill that paperwork. But I was just curious because I didn't know if they had payment training schools or or anything like that to uh to update them on how to fill out these these forms and how to fight for veterans or if it's just a paperwork processing thing you there well yeah. robotic paperwork. Filling out robotic. Those forms is important robots right yeah I, I, so the, I mean, do y'all know of any like uh of uh 
like the American Legion or the DAV that has a certified school or something that a veteran, their, their, their chapters can go to or have someone come to their chapters and teach them how to, uh, to be a train, you know, <laughs> do it right and actually trains. fight for veterans. Huh? The VA, the VA actually trains them. Um, now from what I understand, um, in order to do veterans claims, you want to do it right and have it done right. It's better to find someone that has a certification to do it, to certify the MDLSP to do this. Like that gentleman that y'all have on the radio from Seattle or Washington. That's asthma, Alex. Yeah, he's one. We've got a couple of them that are really good. Now, as far as accreditation, okay, now the ones that work in the regional offices, you know, for the the disabled American veterans or the American Legion, you know, some of these guys are even attorneys, but they're all accredited, the ones inside the regional office. But your uh, regular Joe Schmoes out here, you know, say if you go down at the Legion Post and have a couple of beers and file your claim for a service officer, he's probably not accredited. Okay, he's just somebody that picked up a crowd to do it. You know, now, I do want to give you a little bit of tidbit there. Now, your state veterans organizations itself, like in Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky, in Texas and Missouri and Florida, and they have their own right. Department of Veterans Affairs, and they have claims. They have claims people that actually are accredited, and they can actually do a better job. So I'd recommend people using their state level and trying to stay away from the divide and conquer boys. You know, that's because they've got so many different organizations, and we're all, you know, we're all herded into different organizations, and they keep us separated and divided. And if you if you look at on the national scale, you look at all these different veterans organizations. You know, instead of helping take care of veterans, you know, coming together and getting the problems fixed within the VA, you go to these meetings. I go to them pretty regular on the national level. You go to these meetings, you see all these different groups in there. You know, they got the little hats on and the little areas. They all sit together in little areas. And you look up, you see each one's got a different agenda. There's no unity whatsoever. That's why we're divided and we're conquered. So that's what that was. That's what it was intended to do. Okay. So uh, I, you, you know, know. It, it, like yeah. it, like at the Atlanta VA Medical Center, and I'm going to keep calling it that for now because I can't. Know, I don't know the name of the change of it, but um, they actually the state of Georgia does have a veterans, you know, services mm-hmm. in the building there. They gave them an office, and you know, they're oh, there yeah. at the they medical did, center. To handle medical issues, you know, not ben- well, and they refer you over to benefits, you know. But I was just curious mm-hmm. about the training of the American Legion. If they had, they've been around forever, the, the DAV, VA. and that's done by the VA. And 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 I didn't know if they had, you know, a good if they had a great program that went around to each individual, you know, region like Atlanta or the Georgia chapter of the American Legion or Vietnam Veterans of America, and said, now we're going to put on a seminar in three different areas of your state, and uh, we'll provide everything, and we need, you know, just a meeting hall, and we want to train people on how to not just fill out the paperwork, but also understand what the veteran's asking for and how we, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make sure that the proper information is put on there and what his rights or her rights are and how, you know, we – coordinate those things to, you know, make it the best possible case for, a, you know, a, a win-win or either a denial, you know? I mean, there's a lot of cases yeah. that they're a long time that are real simple, you know? I mean, I went to a Georgia State when the first, out of the medical, I went to a clinic when I first came back into the V or came into the VA healthcare system 
I went to a clinic, and there was a Georgia Veterans Affairs office behind there, and I went, and the lady goes, well, I can get you 10% right off. And I'm like, what for? And she said, for ringing in your ear. And I said, ma'am, I don't have ringing in my ear, you know. <laughs> but, you know. No, tinnitus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the big you one. Everybody everybody has tinnitus, you know. Uh, but I didn't, and, I, you know, she says. That's, that's the most common service next to this building is tinnitus. Yeah. And she was she was yeah. dead set on me having it and I said, Ma'am, I'm sorry, but I can't lie for that, you know. I mean, I I got other issues, but that's not one of them right now. But um I was just curious and and you know, I I I I'm a simple person and I think a common sense answer is when I got out of the service I went to work for very wealthy people because I was, didn't have any real skills except to tell the truth. And and I, then I went to college for a little while, and the first thing I learned is you go to the professor and you say, you know, you go, what do you want, when do you want it, how do you want it, and where do you want it, you know? And that's what you do, and if you provide that for them, then you've got a good chance of making a good grade, you know? In the same way with working for people, you know, you go to work for them, they say, you know, what do you want, when do you want it, how do you want it, you know, and, and where, and mm-hmm. then you do the job. But uh, unfortunately, the... uh like you said, the American Legion, the DAV, and all them, uh, you know, people get this power or something or get their egos up, and they wear their little hats with pins and all that stuff, and, they're, and they don't understand that, you know, the veterans are weak, a lot of them, that need help, and, and, uh, and helping is just not filling out paperwork and pushing it. It's pushing, the, you know, keeping a veteran from having to go for for CPA or CAP exams or whatever they are, you know, that, uh, and just a waste of time and money. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated right now. I'm just kind of tired of hearing all the stories of veterans and then Congress and the Senate, you know, when they run for election, it's election time down here in, in Georgia again for different positions, and they all come out and tell you how well for veterans, veterans issues, veterans, and then when they get up there, you don't hear nothing else about it. Right. Yeah, they, they, they'll do anything to get your vote. They'll tell you anything. You know, and I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what I can do to make this difference. No. Cause run for office. <laughs> Man, if yeah. they're picking on all I can say, if they're picking on some of these people for some of the things they said they did, I can't run for office. I promise. Because <laughs> I've said the wrong words and I've done the wrong things, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a sinner, <laughs> and I've asked for forgiveness <laughs> from the right per- person in that deal, you know. But uh, no, mm-hmm. I would never. I, I mean, number one, I, I always thought I'd be great as a senator or a congressman or something, but I really wouldn't because number one, I'm not going to put on a suit and tie and go in there and and, uh, and fake it. You know, I'm just a blue jeans, button down shirt guy, and that's it. You know. Yeah. Second thing is, is uh, is uh, you know, they they get the title automatically as the honorable, you know, John Lewis or the honorable, you know. Sam John Smith Lewis. or whatever it is. John and, um, yeah, I remember Mr. Lewis. Ain't he one of the Trump and Peachers? Um, he might be. Yeah. Of, <laughs> he's a yeah. what? I seen, I seen him on the House floor bringing the uh, impeachment proceedings up against our president. He's done it three times. Oh, now. yeah. I mean, he, he John Lewis is from Atlanta, and he's been in there forever. Mm-hmm. 
he was he was one of the right hand men for Martin Luther King back in the in the sixties. Uh, uh, great things mm-hmm. that they did, and he was a great mm-hmm. man at one time. And he's lived off of his name, and he's lived off his accomplishments in the past. He talked, and mm-hmm. you know, the the whole civil rights thing was bringing rights to people, and being everybody treated mm-hmm. with dignity and respect, and all the things that he fought for. He now anything that comes up that that has the president's name on it, he automatically says no. You know, even if it's going to mm-hmm. serve his people or serve the, his community or serve any the, our community, our state, you know, or the people of the country, and he's, you know, he. He's the one, he stood up on the floor of the house and did a sit-in, and they told him that was against quorum, and he st- or whatever it was, and he said, don't matter, he still did it, did a protest, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, that's that's a problem. That's politics. I mean, that's the problem with a lot of things. I have a great admiration for him, you know, he what he did for our, our nation at the time that he did mm-hmm. it, but, you know. Now, hey, now it's time to retire. We're one nation and, and uh, under God, and he's you know he's also a minister, and uh, mm. they somehow God get left out of that thing. Well, you see them tearing uh, steeples off of churches and things like that. What's that group uh, that's uh, suing everybody and trying to get all the all the Bible stuff out of the out of the churches? What's that group? Uh, you know who they are, Gerald? They're doing that one in Oklahoma right now. You see that, Gerald? I've seen that, but I can't name the group. Yeah. Uh, I can't I remember the group. That's that. Yeah, this, things like that just need to stop. I mean, we don't need well, I mean, we don't need to change our history. What we need to do is change the way we do stuff. The first thing they can do to make it easy is take race off of everything, including IDs, everything. We don't need race. Everybody, you know, we're all Americans, right? We're all members of the human race anyway. <laughs> That's right. You know? well, you're a human being. Yeah, you take race off. It don't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're Indian, you're Eskimo. It doesn't matter. You're still a person. If they take that off and, and get rid of that stuff, then that'll calm a lot of people. Well, there's a guy that was on uh, Mark Levine's show the other, on television the other night. I, don't, I didn't watch it, but he played some of it on his radio show. I think his mm-hmm. name was Mr. Steele, an African American man. Yeah, and he, I've got, and taped. he was talking about, huh? I got that show taped. Yeah, he was talking about how you know the uh, the 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 black community doesn't understand freedom. They've got freedom now, and they don't know how to accept it. And that the white people have got like uh, I forgot the word he used, but like white guilt, you know, I mean, you're afraid to say anything because, you know, your race is brought in to no matter what you say, you know, I mean, I, and, and, but I know one thing when I was in the military service, it was in 1970 and I lived in a pretty, when I moved, I, I was 17 years old and I lived in a pretty upper middle class white community and didn't really know any black people, but my best friend in the Navy was a, a black guy from Cocoa Beach, Florida, named John Denard. And uh, I was accepted by everybody because I accepted everybody, you know. And I know that we, we uh, in the service, that's how it worked when I was in the service anyways. We all were one unit. We were all part of a team. We were all 
ser- serving the country doing for the same reason, but for some reason we decided to. Well, I think it's the biggest thing is is I don't make excuses for what I do. If I do something and I did it wrong, I say I'm sorry. You know, if I do something and it, you know, it was idiotic, then I admit that I'm, I was an idiot. You know, but I don't make excuses. Because I don't like excuses. Excuses are, you know, defeat the whole purpose. And uh, I think that's the excuse people hide behind. Um, not just black people, or, or it's it's people that that are incompetent that don't know what they're doing, and they use an excuse to get away with whatever they're doing, like tearing ch- ch- steeples off of a church, you know. I mean, yeah. nothing but pure pure ignorance, you know? Leave leave those people alone at church. They're not bothering anybody. They're more than likely trying to help people. There's a few hypocrites in the church, too, but that's why they're there, to get straightened out. <laughs> but somehow we're off yeah. the VA, but... And, uh, um, you know, whenever you talk about veterans, you don't say a white veteran or a black veteran or a... Indian veteran, you say veteran. No, when when I was up at the National Cemetery just recently, I was looking, and on the tombstones, you can have all kind of things put on there, a cross, a Star David, the Muslim sign, all kind of them. And every, there's there. And you look, and there's names that are Greek heritage and, and African heritage and, and English heritage and, and Germans. There's every... Every nation, country, continent in the world serves in the military of the United States of government, you know? And we're we're all one, you know? Um, Yeah, we're all veterans. Yeah, and that's it. You know, there's a thing called the Guardians of the Promise that put out these things at the Medical Center in Atlanta. And it talks about on the web page various publications that, you know, the description, the followings, you know, the mission, the vision, three promises and values of the VA. And it, it says, it says to all employees of the Atlanta VA Medical Center and the community outpage clinics under the umbrella of the Atlanta VA Medical Center should not only know the complete text by memory, have it buried in their hearts, but also live by it every minute of every day while working at the VA. It's about being the best of the best and the pride of knowing that you are the best of the best. And I thought about that saying, and you know what? Every veteran that goes in them doors have served honorably in the, in, for our country, and they served in the best of the best, the best military in the world. And why not the people that serve us be, be the same, the best of the best? And, and, and it goes on to say, accomplish being the best of the best, it has to be the commitment of all employees from the custodian all the way to the director. To the veterans that are employed at the Atlanta VA Medical Center, we thank you for your service. But while at work, you work for the veterans you serve. There is a difference in the two, and the veterans you serve should be the highest and only priority. When you come for care, you should receive the same treatment as a veteran. says, to the union that represents the employees of the VA Medical Center, we hope that you not only know the mission, but ensure that your members keep the highest of standards, that the union members, even though friends with one another, should ensure that the veterans you serve come first. Poor performance should never be accepted. 
and it says to the administration that has accepted the responsibility to lead. If you are not the best of the best, please recommit yourself to the veterans of the VA Medical Center and to all veterans who enter its doors. And do not be happy until every veteran you serve walks out the door and says, wow, that was the best care in the world we could get, the best care anywhere. Those are pretty simple words, you know. And, and I think that's what we've lost in our country. And unfortunately, the labor union is is probably one of the biggest, not the only, because there's four or five labor unions in the executive branch. Um, senior management has their own protective forces. But we've lost quality. We've we've lost the desire to be the best. And it happening everywhere but what do y'all think about what I just read well I know where I go to my primary care team I must be one of the best in the nation because only I only have the highest praise for them because they they bend over backwards to work with me and to help me and everything else it's what you were just saying they are the best of the best, and whenever I leave there, I know I'm, they've given me the best care that they possibly could, and that's that's unusual. And I go to the Benita VA, Benita uh, outpatient. Uh, it's a clinic, but it, uh, they sure treat you good. And they'll get on That's that phone if you tell them you need something. They'll get right on that phone while you're sitting there and call and see that you 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 know you're getting some help. Yeah, I guess it's just a. And that's great. I hear stories like that all the time. I've got a veteran that I've been watching after for a long time out there in San Diego, and he's pretty much an invalid. And they finally put him in the hospital, and they've got him in there, and finally making him go through some physical therapy, and he's going to end up being in a a home, a assisted living home. But he's getting great care, and he loves it, you know. And he had a great social worker and everything. I think it's kind of just having the consistency. You know, it's a big organization, and that's one of the excuses that the leadership tells me when I talk to them is that, you know, we're the second largest uh, organization in the federal government beside the military, you know, and it's hard to be consistent all the way solidly through. But um, I they think that's probably the same way with processing disability yeah. claims too. There's some that are good and some that are that aren't the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate, and that caused them to back up because everything has to be reworked. Uh, and when every time a claim has to be reworked, it's got to, it's going to take another two or three years, and that's not good. Uh, you know, it ain't right. It's funny you say that because I filed a claim back in 1981 or 82 back at the VA. This is a real funny story. And I waited about three months, and I went back up there and checked on it, and they pulled it and said, yeah, it's here still in the file, you know. So they just be patient. So I waited another four or five months, and I went back up there, you know, and I, che- I didn't have any representation at the time, and I checked on it. 
I did that for about a year and a half. One lady up there says, Mr. Howard, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? She said, quit coming up here checking on your claim. And I said, well, why is that? She said, because every time we pull it out of, out of the stack, you go on the bottom again. <laughs> yeah, and I believe that. <laughs> so I, I learned real quick that, uh, you know, I just need to shut up and be patient. But, you know. Hard to do. Yeah. I know people that held it off one day and run out and guard their mailbox and that's looking for it. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it just, oh boy, when you're dealing with the, the VA two or three years, ain't nothing to them. And I almost guarantee you the people that take your claim in are retired before you get it finished and returned. You there? Yeah. Just, Can you hear oh, me? I was losing you there for a minute. You talked about retired. Also, when I was out picking and protesting, a guy, a public affairs officer, came out and talked to me one day for the medical center. For the for the medical center and then our regional benefits office is right next door, so the Regional Benefits Office Public Affairs Officer came out. She brought me and my dog some water and talked to me for a while. And each time I came out there, I kind of picketed on their corner because there was a camera on top of their building, and I knew that I was I could be safe by being, you know, watched. And um, anyway, she was real nice. And the, P- the PR guy from the the uh, medical center came out, and I talked to him and made friends with him and got his card, and we talked a little while. And he was a, a – a, command master sergeant for the army and i started talking to him and we became better friends and i said you know i'm just say his first name uh, first name greg i said you know I, i've noticed something about you and the other people that are that are veterans that work for the va but have retired and he goes what's that and i says y'all don't take this as a job y'all take it as just a second government paycheck you know because out of all the people that should be committed to to every veteran that walks through these doors that have an issue or ha- or needs help, you as a command master sergeant should be the one that fights all the way to the end for us, you know? And he says, you know, he came back to me a little later and says, you know, you were right about that. He says, I did. I, I just This is just a government job. This is just another paycheck. And he says, I've got to look at it a different way. But a lot of people take it like that, you know? Yeah, they do. I put in my hard time, my 30 years or something, and this is this is an easy ride, you know? Well, unfortunately, not enough people look at the real reason that they should be there. Uh, well, uh <clears throat> They just don't have it in their heart, uh, the desire to really help. They want, they want to do. They seem to just do what they're more or less think they're expected to do, and that's it. Nothing extra. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, whenever I start a meeting or with somebody, I, I, I look around the room at the table or the people that are in there, and I say, listen, I want all y'all to know one thing. If you're sitting here in, in this meeting and you're a VA employee, you have been honored 
by being here. And, and I said, because it should be the greatest honor in this nation to be chosen to serve the veterans of this country. There's no job I could think of in this country that could be a greater honor than to serve the veterans of the country. I mean, can you, Jay or Mr. Cook, tell me a greater honor, that, a job that you could have in this country than to, to serve veterans? That's a, that's a great job, and uh, it should be uh, done with respect and dignity and, and uh, sincerity. How can I'd I help you? How can, how, how can I make your life easier? Yeah, well, and and to yeah, to make your life not easier, but to 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 just nurture you, because that's all it is. Is is that healthcare is nurturing, and 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 the benefits is the same thing. You know, you're hurt, you're sick, you're tired. A lot of us, a lot of people that file aren't, but still, you know. Those can be filtered out by a smart person, but um, you know, to, it, it, it takes a special person to do that. I kind of I, in a meeting, I even asked them. I says, "Listen, let's. I want to get a field trip going." And they said, "Where, where to?" And I said, "There's the Children's Hospital, Scottish Rite Children's Hospital, up the road here." I said, "I'd like to get a field trip and go up there one day with everybody on this committee." And they go, "Why?" And I says, well, has any of y'all ever been to a, to a children's hospital? And a couple of them raised their hand. And I said, what was your experience there when you walked in? And they said, we walked in, and every person that was there made us feel like we were special. Every person there was concerned about us being there and had not just our child that was sick, but they also nurtured us. You know, and, and and the VA is no different. Well, no hospital. All hospitals are, should be the same, and in places that care for people. But you know, the VA is no different. And those people that work at those children's hospitals do it because that's where they want to be. They love their job. You know, and I, I what I find, and I, I'm picking on the VA a whole lot. There's a whole lot of good people at the VA. There's, there's like you said, where you go, you get great service and. And even in the benefit side, I've met some really hard-working, good people that were overworked a lot of times because people go to the good ones, and you know, because they don't want to give up, they don't want to quit, they want to do whatever they can to help you. Uh, but you know, we need to bring quality back to America, and we need to bring quality and, and make the VA the gold standard of the uh, of the federal government how to operate and. That's probably what's driving me crazy right now is is that uh, for some reason we don't have leaders that can direct us that way. Well, yeah, it's in the hierarchy. Uh, somewhere up there, something's getting out of joint. I don't know what it is. Uh, we've had how many secretaries of the VA and... They all seem to fall into the same trap. So there's well, a they, group they, in there that uh, uh, seem like if they got control and need to be weeded out. Well, it's and, kind of the same as what's going on with the FBI and the CIA and all that. There's a senior executive I, service that are career government employees. I think they have a lot right. of power yeah. and stay. And when I talk to leaders at the in Washington, 
they basically tell tell me that hey, we're policy and procedure people here. You know, that's what we're doing up here: policies and procedures. You know, the the uh, the local vision networks and all are autonomous. They run themselves. You know, and if you've ever called the White House hotline or one of their hotlines and filed a complaint up in Washington. It goes straight back down to the person that created the problem to start with. And then they send an email back saying, we solved the problem. And the veteran never knows about any of those communications. And the veteran had his problem or her problem hadn't been solved at all, you know. But the senior level says, oh, well, they solved your problem, you know, so I have to take their word for it. They, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disconnect. And... Um, and it's easier to slough off responsibility than to accept it, you know? Yeah. I don't know what where do you... it's going to end, but they got to make the proper changes, and they just haven't done it. Well, I'll Replace... tell you the truth. and it, it, I'll tell you what, the, the only, there's two solutions to this. Number one, the VSOs stand up together and decide that they're going to guarantee that the VA is the best organization in the federal government. And they're not going to accept any standards but the highest of standards, which we all were required to meet when we were military people. That's the, that's, that's the key. That's where the leadership should be, and that's where we, we as veterans, we shouldn't even – we should depend on them. They've lost a lot of members because veterans don't want to join those organizations. We don't want to be in charge of the fish fry on Friday night or the bingo game on Tuesday night or the the bar on during the week, you know, or be in charge of getting the uh, Huey helicopter for the park, you know. It should yeah. be dedicated totally for the service of veterans. The second thing is is for veterans to stand up their, themselves and their family. But, you know, getting – I'm not a person that's on the computer and, and to, to organize people to stand up and say, hey, we've had enough, you know. Veterans Day, when it comes up, there should be mass picketing, just silent picketing with a, a, a set of agenda things saying, we're tired of this. Our brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and cousins and mothers and grandmothers and uncles and, and neighbors all have veterans in their family. And even though 50% or 60% or 70% of the veterans get taken care of in a good way, efficient and helpful, that leaves out 25, 30, 40, 50% that aren't, that are left behind. Until we, we, to our goals are the highest standards and not the minimum standards, we got problems. Does that make sense, Jay? Yeah. Well, it makes huh? sense to me. Makes a lot of sense. You know, we we need to set the highest of standards. We need to have our leaders up there, the VFW, the American Legion, the DAV, the, the Vietnam Veterans of America, or, or whoever they are, Wounded Warriors, all of them. There's a bunch of them that want free money, and they run advertisements on the TV and radio and all trying to get money from people to serve veterans. They need to be the leaders that stand up and say, look, we can be buddies with you, Mr. Secretary of Veterans Affairs, or we can be your worst enemy. But here's what we expect. We expect 100% of the veterans that walk through these doors in health care and in benefits and any other service that is provided from the VA to get the best care in the world, second to none. 
because that's what you promised. It says our three promises, and that's what your promise. And the mission says that this is what you're going to do. And your vision it says this is what you're going to do. And your values say this is what you are going to do. And whenever that's failed, one time in the in the 20 million veterans that are being serviced by the VA, by the hundreds of thousands of employees, then that's not acceptable. You know, Bob McDonald was a pretty good guy. I, I met and talked to him a lot when he was Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and he came in with the great intentions of trying to make the VA a great place. He fell into the politics of it really first. He served under President Obama, and he didn't really want to get a whole lot done. And the second thing Bob McDonald and his, his partner Sloan Gibson did is they became PR guys trying to cover up or the bad stories, you know? And instead of solving the bad stories, they were trying to, to make them look good. And they didn't want to hear negative stories. To me, the way to not hear negative stories is to not have a negative issue to start with. And if you do have a negative issue, to jump on it fast and hold the people responsible that created that problem to either re-educate them, retrain them, or tell them you're not cut out to serve the veterans of this country. Sound reasonable? What do you think of this new guy, Sherman? You know what? I have I don't even know that. I looked on the internet one day and saw who he was. But I don't know. I I don't know anything about him really. I don't either. I've tried to uh, study up on him a little bit, but so far I haven't come up with anything. I haven't heard of much going on. So. Well, He's only as good as the person below him. That's right. Or a good manager surrounds him. him. A good manager surrounds himself with people who uh, possess the skills that they lack. And you know, a weak link in any of it, any of the system, and it's a huge system. A weak link can destroy it. If 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 the Vision Seven network is a weak link, then you've got probably 400,000, 300,000 veterans that are not being served right because that, that weak link is 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 a failure, you know? Yes. And, you know, it, it goes like that. You know, it's the same way as the chain of command in the military, you know? I mean, if you've got a, you know, a, a command master sergeant or a master chief petty officer or somebody that represents the the, the the veterans and stuff. If he's weak and all, then you know the, your men suffer. They're there to to serve the the men, and the men are there to follow. You know, and uh, when you keep changing, I mean, he's probably just a in Atlanta VA Medical Center. We had three veterans that were in the fourth ward, which we call it the fourth ward or the fourth floor, and it's the hold holding thing. They hold people if they're suicidal or alcohol or drug problems. They hold them for so many weeks and try to get them stabilized on their medicine and everything. And three of them, well, more of them were walking around the hospital, but three of them actually walked around and raided the pill carts and everything and committed suicide in the hospital. They were in a lockdown. They were supposed to be, but they were just wandering around the hospital, and they committed suicide. So, of course, the director of the medical center had to go somewhere else and be acting for a while. There was an investigation for a couple of years, and the head of 
of psychiatric left and you know all this and then they had another acting person an acting person for a couple of years every three or four months they'd change a different acting person that was in charge so then finally they put out the job offerings for the positions the first person that they tried to hire and offered the job they said no i don't want the job even though they applied for the job they it was this kind of merit system thing at the va you know if there's a gs8 position open they apply for eight of them and get calls from three of them, you know? Yeah. It's a stupid system. But anyway, so the first person turned it down, says, no, I'm going to go to Puerto Rico or somewhere. Then they tried to hire another. They redid the whole process again, which took three to six months. They hired, tried to hire that person. That person said, no, I don't want to come to Atlanta. I'm going to this other place. So they did it again. It took a year and a half, to, and the third person turned it down. So the fourth person they offered the job was a person that worked there at the Atlanta VA Medical Center that was a, in a lower position, you know. And he said, yeah, I'll stay and do it. Now, that wasn't the best person for the job, but that person just took it because that's the way it is. And that's kind of the way the Secretary of Veterans Affairs has been, if you look at it, you know. It's who's ever yeah. willing to take the job. It might not be the best person for the job. You know? Well, I mean, we'll find probably, out about this guy. You know, but he's got to he's got to hold everyone accountable. Every every employee in the VA, he's got to make sure and hold every one of those people accountable. And he's got to have enough gonads to stand up and fire them or get them out of there, not send them somewhere else and do it. He needs to make sure the union works by their contract. And that their best interest is the veterans of the nation. His communications with the VFW, the American Legion, and all them have got to be that, hey, I'm depending on y'all to come to me with issues that need to be resolved and come to me with solutions for those issues so that we can move forward. Don't invite me to the ball. Don't invite me to your dinners. Don't do all that stuff. Just come to me and tell me what the problems are or what the good things are. If there's a good thing and a good program somewhere, let me know about it so that we can do that everywhere. But there's got to be that communication. In fact, in our client advisory council meeting, when we first sat down, there was like 14 of us in the room. And every person there, they asked about an issue that was important to us. And yeah. we had three issues we could give each person. Each person talked about communication, poor communication, lack of communication. You know, and it's got to, the people have got to communicate. The people at the VFW have got to be honest with the Secretary of Veterans Affairs and say, look, we're getting killed out here, man. We're not getting good training from the VA. Our people aren't as qualified as they should be. We're not serving the veterans the way we should. Or, hey, we got these people here that are really good. We need to take how they're doing it because their success rate in, in completion and in time is better than anybody else. We need to go find out why they're doing it, how they're doing it, and, and, and get the VA to initiate a training program for the rest of it. Well, it'd be nice. Uh... Isn't that how it works? Like he's, like, yeah, that's how it works. That's uh, like the new secretary's got to have some good people under him. If he don't, he's not going to be able to do it himself, as we all well know. 
but he's got to have some some uh, pretty sharp people under him. Somebody uh, that he he's got to allocate uh, different item, you know, different jobs to different people and say. Here's you take care of this, and I expect it to be taken care of by so and so, such and such, and and hold them to it. If they don't, they need to be replacing them. If Here's they an have example. To, if they Go have ahead. to uh, 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 have their own crews to, you know, it, it, it's like a pyramid. It. Uh, then their own crews, if they have to designate it, uh, whoever flubs up down the line uh, uh, should be put out the door. You know, at the Atlanta VA Medical Center, when I came in there, they had an acting director and several other ones because the other director was gone up to the vision to be acting because of the investigation that was going on. So I'd say there was probably five acting directors. Then we so that was one full time guy. Then five acting directors. Then we got a new director. That person was there about three years. They went to the vision to be vision. We had some more acting directors. Now they got a permanent director. Okay, so there's been three permanent directors, and probably about eight or nine acting directors in a, probably about an eight or nine year period of time, somewhere in there. Maybe not quite that long. The staff that works right outside the door of each one of those directors. It's the same people, the exact same people. Now, if I'm a director of a medical center, I want to bring in the sharpest person that I can find to be my secretary or my chief of staff or yeah. my go-to person. You know? Absolutely. But they're Absolutely. just designate ones that are there, and they're by the labor unions and the different things, that's where they are. You can't well, move that's... them. You can't say, hey, I'm going to move you somewhere else, or I'm not going to let you do this job anymore. Because they're guaranteed that position, you know. Well, so that's, that's, that's uh, where you're seeing a lot of problems. That uh, it nothing's going to change. Uh, the guy at the top, he's got to go in, and he's going to have put his own personnel in that he trusts and he knows will do what's required of him. Right. What his his or her expectations are, That's and right. tell them that you know that they know that they've got to live by those standards. And if they don't, they get replaced. If they right. happen to have some goofball on, underneath them that uh, goofed up, then they got to take care of that goofball and tell say, hey, it was my crew that goofed up. And I got had, had to get rid of someone, but I've replaced him now with a competent individual, and and uh, we're ready to move forward. Then he Look at it this way: the, the the chief of staff of that hospital, that medical center, was there when those veterans committed suicide. He was chief of staff of that medical center. He's been through all the acting people. He's even been acting director sometime. He's been through all the acting people, the full-time people, and he's still the chief of staff. And I know him. He's a nice guy. I talk to him, and I call him up on the phone and talk to him. But is he the qualified leader that should be there? Because that medical center has a two-star rating in the five-star rating system that the VA has. If someone's been there 15 years and they're the chief 
chief of staff of a medical center, no matter who they're serving under, they should have a top-notch staff and a top-notch hospital. And if they're if they've got a a, a, a two-star, then that's a D, and a five, you know, an A B C D rating, A B C F rating, and uh, you know that's a D. Fifteen well, years and you're a D, and you need to be gone. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and it shouldn't be, be and, the, and the new person that comes in shouldn't have to accept that person as their chief of staff and their leader. No way. They should, yeah. you know. But think of it. That's how they do it. Well, that's why they're in the shape they're in. And now, is that where is our design, where, or is that just how things are? Uh, no, the, no thing like the, people don't know that like the chief of staff of our medical centers also we're we're uh, a research hospital. A lot most VA medical centers are. So we work with Emory University and, and um, uh, not Morris Brown, but a, another uh, medical school there, another college that has a medical school, and they where they do research at our hospital. So he sits on. He's the chair. Of the at the medical school too, so he see his his pay is his is um, subsidized by the Emory Medical School. So there's politics involved in it, you know. Yeah, there's politics. And he's involved. he's connected to the community, and so you know there it's 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 all got to just be what's best for the veteran that's just what it comes down to you know and he probably should go back to the school and start teaching or something you know and make room for somebody else that that has that the motivated to to be the best and to set the best example and to lead the best yeah you know, Sherman, you'd mentioned something that you'd brought up or proposed to the VA here a few years back, and they're they're right now putting that into motion. Something about the phones or tablets. Well, what, well, what I what I had done is I talked to my VA medical center, and then I talked to Bob McDonald when he came down and met with me in person about. Getting you can buy tablets for basically twenty five or thirty dollars a piece. These computer tablets, and I suggested that they get these computer tablets and that they put it on the VA My Healthy Vet system, just a complete separate system of itself, brand on the back of property of the VA, found returned to a post office, and to give them to veterans like the homeless veterans and different veterans that don't have computers and stuff, where they can keep up with their health care. And they can make appointments and communicate with their doctors and order their medicines and do all that stuff. And it basically costs $35 or probably less in bulk, but something like that. And then whatever the, the network costs to do it. It's not hooked to the Internet as to say you could go in there and watch porn or anything. It's just a VA system. And I said this would be great to help a lot of veterans that communicate better. It's all about communication and so that they could manage their health care better and that they could be kept up with better. You know, if you've got a homeless veteran that has one of those, their social worker could communicate with them a lot better than instead of driving around the car trying to find them or something, you know? Uh, and so, now, these were solar-powered, weren't they? 
Well, I I suggested solar power would work on some of them. You know, you, you, it's like anything that if you have an idea, you sit down in a room, you know, like McDonald's does. You put a group of people together in a room and say, all right, we want to make a new hamburger. What do we want on it? Well, we want two patties and three pieces of bun and a special sauce. It just goes from there. And you find out what's best and what would work. So anyways, this this was just an idea that I had, and, and you could just plug in a solar power panel that would you could give to certain veterans, maybe a backpack that it carried with a solar panel on it that, you know, they could recharge it if they needed to, if it's according to the situation of, of what veteran, whatever their need was. And, uh, you know, I talked to them about it, and I don't – this it, it, a thing in life is it doesn't matter who gets the credit for what as long as the things are done, you know. If people are work looking, a lot of people are looking for the pat on the back and the credit. That's not something that I really care about. What I care about is my fellow veterans and what makes it best for them, the care, and especially the weaker among us. But nonetheless, now I understand I, I got a call from a buddy of mine that sat in on those meetings that I had and said, hey, they're starting to hand out these Apple uh, notebooks where you can do that. Uh, at the hospital, of course, they're handing them out to just about anybody, not necessarily the veterans that need them. The first guy that got them at, our, at the medical center in Atlanta is on the committee, and he, he has his own home computer and everything, and he's at the hospital almost every day. He doesn't really need one, but that's who got one first. But the VA has gone and bought Apple notebooks, I understand, and they're starting that. And I even figured out how to expand it where they could put on their um, things on there like uh, like me and you talked about uh, your your medical center sent you a card telling you they're having cooking classes on how to cook and prepare and store food and stuff like that healthy food yeah. well you could put any of that information on that tablet and send it to a veteran of how to do that or or, or how to exercise or how to stretch or uh, in their area tell them where they could go for free exercise or shower it's unlimited of the ideas that you could expand that system on you know the the creativity it's just up to people saying we're going to do it and do it but i understand that they're now handing out tablets maybe someone else had the idea it doesn't really matter who had it as long as it works for veterans I'm just hoping it's not one of those programs where they get all rambunctious and they do it and then the next the person that runs the program leaves the VA or goes somewhere else and it dies, you know? The VA's pretty good at those kind of deals too. Yes, they are. Well, what I was trying to do is make it very inexpensive and make it serve a specific group of people that needed that. Um, of course. Yeah, I don't know. You, you get people with power and the bigger heads, and they go all crazy on it, and it gets out of control. And they had to get these uh, solar-powered. They'd end up getting a cheap computer, laptop, and then they'd get these solar power, uh, solar power that would fold out and roll up, uh, you know, and, and be enough to charge the computers. Yeah, and I mean you can the, the, Yeah, you can put a solar panel on the on the case that the computer was stored in. And just plug the computer on inside it and just set your case out in the sun there, you know, while you're doing your thing and charging up. Yeah. That's what they did. And uh I had a couple different ones doing that and 
uh, uh, one of them even started the website, the Wizard in the Sun. And uh, anytime he seen a group of people, he would stop and talk to them. And <laughs> he rode a bicycle everywhere. And and, uh, and you could probably figure out you could probably give a homeless veteran a bicycle and figure out how you could plug him into his bicycle and why he's riding charge him. You know, there's well, unlimited things. Can. You know, there's unlimited things. It's called if you think about life, it's taking a simple solu- it's a simple thing and putting it into motion. It's like the guy that made the frisbee or the pet rock or something. They just took a yeah. simple idea and put it into motion. Unfortunately, what happens is we've got people that think they're so brainy and so everything that they make something simple complex. It has to, the VA does that all the time. They don't need to change the name of the medical center. That just makes it more complex. Just leave it the way it is. What is the purpose of it? To serve veterans. It don't matter if it just has the sign VA on there and nothing else. You know? That's right. But they've You're got right. to make it complex. Oh, well, you're number four size. We've got to change your name to a medical community now instead of a medical center, and we're going to spend $2 million on re-signing and re-changing all the everything. You know what I mean? That's just ridiculous as hell. Yeah, that money could be spent wisely doing other things. You know, it's kind I of like what, what we were yeah, it's kind of like the way we were starting out, and Jay was talking about um, a group that's going around the country tearing steeples off of churches. Yeah. Now, why did they attack the steeples? Because that's a symbol to people riding by that that's a place of God or a place of faith or religion or whatever, and that you can worship and that you can come there. You know? It's like taking the cross out of things. The medical center in Atlanta, we had a chapel, believe it or not, under the Obama administration, they changed the name of the chapel to the gathering place. It could no longer be called the chapel. I don't know if they did it in y'all's medical center or not, but that's what they did in Atlanta. Oh, my. I didn't know that. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, that's unreal. And the VA fell for that. The VA did it. That's ungodly. Well, sure, but they wanted to take God out of the out of you know. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do away with the chaplain corps. Well, I am too. But that might be the next thing that they do. Well, you never know. They get these crazy ideas. That's how this stuff starts. Burning books and everything out, churches. Well, I think I'm going to lay low on the VA for a little while. I'm going to start writing, and I'm going to write, and I'm going to try to figure out at the end how to publish whatever I write and put it out there for all to see, you know? and to see that there is simple solutions to the problem and that we can't keep changing directors and and secretaries of the different organizations. We just need to recommit to what is great about America. And what is great about America is the veterans. And there's veterans in every family in this nation. And almost every family in this nation has has somewhere in their family a triangular flag. And if there's a person that's new to this country 
from Ethiopia or, or Zimbabwe or Colombia or Mexico or Japan. American blood has been shed in that country at one point or another in history. And we're willing yeah. today to shed blood in those countries to make sure that they have rights and freedoms, you know? And it has nothing to do with politics because it's, it's, it's the Jays and the, and the Kits and the Geralds of, the, of, the, of this nation that's willing to go unconditionally without protection of the Constitution of the United States that we, we so dearly hold to our hearts and willing to go and sacrifice so that those people at least have an opportunity. Well, and veterans are special people, book, and they deserve the best. If you write a book, Chairman, I'm a, a member of the Lincoln, or I, I think that's a proper name. Anyway, I got over 500 friends there. Um and some of them are writers themselves, and, and I believe there are some publishers. I'll have to go through that. And if I'm running well, across maybe you can communicate with them and see if they want to write a chapter on their emotions or their feelings or their thoughts. And, uh, you know, what would really be nice is, is, is it's July now, November the 11th is Veterans Day. It would be nice to be able to p- publish something around that time. Well, I don't know. Let me go go through that list, and if there's some publishers, I can put you in straight contact with them. Well, the way the world is now, you can directly publish your works on the Internet, and all you got to do is get somebody like a a big-time reader, I don't know, Henry Kissinger or, you know, Sean Hannity or somebody to read it and get the word out, you know, but it has to be neutral and not be... Republican or Democrat, it has to be American, you know, and appeal to the hearts of people. I mean, you know, somebody might write about Congress and appeal to them of how, you know, you're failing our nation. You you got that title honorable when you got elected, you know, earn that title because every veteran earned their title at the end of their service, not the beginning like you guys, you know. And when one of you guys die, we have a big funeral and everybody cries and says how wonderful they were and everything. Every day we're we're burying veterans that were a lot more of a hero and a lot more honorable than they are, you know? That's a fact. And we need to figure out how to put those in emotions in the in the words and let people know and read them, you know? And if it if you write a book and have 10 chapters and one of them appeals to one group of people and another chapter group appeals to another group, then we can start our own movement, really, to understand what a veteran is and have more appreciation of it. And then hold our leaders accountable, you know? Someone could write about the American Legion and the DAV and what we depend on them for and what they were there for and talk to them and say, look, your leaders are getting old. They're World War II guys. They're Korean guys. They're Vietnam veteran guys. They're going. We need a new group of leaders to come in here that are strong, that understand you can't compromise on, on quality. You can't compromise on ethics. You can't qual- co- co- compromise, you know? The written word is still the greatest word around, you know? Yeah. 
Think about that, though, Mr. Cook, and anybody else that's out there. Let's just figure out how to do this and collaborate and and make something special and shoot for a goal, maybe a mini mini series at Veterans Day and ha- come out on Memorial Day or Flag Day next year with a complete volume, you know? It's got to start. So it's like the card that I read you from the Guardians of the Promise at the VA, you know? Yeah. Challenge the union to be the union. Remember, union, you're... You have a job because of the veteran. That's there. You're there to serve. Your union's not the important thing because your union will take care of itself. The veterans are the important things. Take care of them. And then all the accolades, all the little pins on your hat will mean something. You know? Yeah. Or, or when you look in the mirror at the end of the day and in the, in, in the beginning of the morning, You'll see someone that has gleams of pride and joy because they know they've done the, the right thing. It's hard to do the right thing nowadays, believe it or not. Yeah, it is. There's much uh, different sides of things going on. Evidently, the VA is not any uh, uh, portions of it have slipped over time and need to be brought back in line. Yeah. Get the right people in the right the right uh, positions and they can be brought back in line. And it but can be done. Is, it can be done. It can be done if the if the if the chapters of the v, of the DAV and the American Legion all those other groups Demand in it in it in the Atlanta region or the the Vision Seven Network, Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama, that we're not going to accept anything but the best. And if you don't put out the best, we're going to either pick it or protest in front of your facility, or we're going to put it on the internet and we're going to demand that you live up to the standards that are set by your own self. See, it all goes back to the vision, the mission, the three promises, and the values. Yeah. Those if they just if they just obeyed those, then we would have a wonderful system. But everybody has to buy in. You know? Well you can't have the sergeant major that's that's not buying in because he's just there for a uh, you know, another paycheck because he's got his pension and everything and now he's got better health insurance by being at the VA and got his cushy job that if he wants to take off, he can. If he wants to sit behind his desk all day, that's what he can do. He doesn't have to, to go and fight for the veterans. Wow. It's a battle. Every day it's a battle. Well, Every day. he woke up. Sound like he might have. Well, I mean, I gave him a book. <laughs> I gave him a book a long time ago. It's a, it's called Ripples of Hope, and it's great civil rights speeches and speeches from all over the world, from Gandhi to Martin Luther King to women's suffrage and to everything. It's the great civil rights speeches. I gave him that book and said, read this and understand how special it is to be that person that stands up no matter what and fights for what's right. Uh, Sherman, we're running out of time here. All right, I'll keep talking now. My battery hadn't died on my phone. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, we're we're slap out of time. So I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I thank you I for listening, listening to me. Out there, appreciated you too. I hope and we planted a seed for somebody to stand up and start it. I hope so too. 
I believe we may well, have. We, we got a lot of people that listen, and, and we're proud proud of our listeners. And uh, uh, by golly, we'll have you on again here pretty soon, and I'll do some checking on them publishers for you. All right, I got two chapters already done, so thank you for the opportunity uh, today, and, um, Mr. Cook, and I appreciate you, uh, everyone listening. All right. Well, we thank you all for your you, service and, and what you do, and and thanks a lot. All right. Well, and have a great evening, everyone. God bless America. By gosh, we're the best. We're the best. And. <laughs> With that, this will be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basser Show.